Welcome in to the Tavern Keg Podcast. It is the daily show for Monday. It is September 25th. We're going to talk about why Green Bay Packer fans have bought all the way in with the Jordan Love experience. I will recount an awesome day at Lambeau Field that I had. It was an unbelievable game as the Packers come back from being down 17 nothing. We'll do Golden Kegs as well. Uh, and then we'll talk about the Wisconsin Badgers who got a win, but it was costly one with Chesma Lucy out. We'll react to that. And then we'll talk about why Craig Council was right and that we should not be disappointed in the Milwaukee Brewers weekend. And that will be today's show. Uh, as you can probably tell, the voice is a little bit a horse, and it's not from sickness. It's from yelling my ass off at Lambeau Field, uh, and I will, I will recount it all. Uh, we're going to talk about love. I'll talk a little bit about just what it was like uh, in that fourth quarter uh, before we go into the Golden Kegs. Uh, and today's this week is a weird week. Okay, I thought I'd have a schedule. I was going to text Mitch. And then I took a two-hour nap. I missed pretty much all of Raiders Steelers uh, as I was recovering from coming back from Lambeau. And now I'm doing podcasts late, uh, very late, that is. But I got to give you guys the podcast early on. Like you have to, if you're starting your day with me, which I appreciate, uh, I have to make sure the podcast is there for you. I, some days I can be late. Uh, Monday, Victory Monday especially, I can't be late. Uh, before we get going, though, just a reminder uh, to follow us along on social media, Tap the Keg on Twitter, Tap the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook, too. Uh, if you are already doing that, and it, which is great and we appreciate, uh, we got to make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're already subscribed, you're already doing the social media thing, then drop this in the group chat. I, I Like I said, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We are one of the few that talk about everything on Monday. It's not just Packers. It's not just Badgers. It's not just Brewers. We're talking about it all. Once the Bucks get started, we'll talk about the Bucks. Once Marquette gets started, we'll talk about Marquette. We won't talk really much about what Wisconsin Badger basketball. That's mostly because I'm not a Badger basketball fan. Uh, but we can get into that on another day, another podcast. But yes, uh, it's it, it's one of the only places where we'll get everything. I think a lot of places you'll just get Packers or you'll just get one of the other sports. So uh Definitely keep spreading the good word. Uh, appreciate all the new Twitter followers that have been in recently. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great time, man. Really love what we've, built, we've been building this year so far through three games of the Green Bay Packers season. But let's talk about Jordan Love and why the fans have bought in and get into the comeback as well and the rest of the great Sunday that looked like it was going to be one of the worst ones that I've had in a long time. Jordan Love was the last guy out of the tunnel for the Green Bay Packers. They introduced the offense, uh, and there were good cheers uh, for all the guys, right? Um, and it had to be a cool moment for a lot of the young guys to get introduced at Lambeau in front of a full crowd for the first time. And I know they fill up for preseason, but it's different. These games matter. And then Jordan Love came out, and Jordan Love was the last guy out of that of that tunnel. And, you know, they the PA announcer goes, from Utah State. Number 10, Jordan Love. And the pop that Jordan Love got was similar to what Stone Cold would get in his prime, what The Rock would get in his prime, what DX would get in their prime. And when I say pop, if you guys are unfamiliar, if you've ever watched any sort of wrestling, when the, the music hits, right? When the glass shatters or the pulse hits for D-Generation X the crowd, or The Rock. Like if you spell, like, the crowd goes absolutely fucking apeshit. 
And that's what happened at Lambeau Field. And I cannot remember a pop being that loud. I usually go to a guy like game a year. Uh, and I've been doing that for a long time. I think the only year where he didn't go to one was 2020, honestly. Uh, in the last probably, since I've dated my now wife, uh, we've, we've been going to Packer games every, every year at least once. Uh, very thankful. Shout out to my boy Pat, who helps us out with that. And I can't remember a pop being that loud. Uh, the last time I remember, I guess, a loud, loud crowd was coincidentally enough a September game in, against the New Orleans Saints after Packers had just lost to a fail Mary, which was today's anniversary. And I told Murph, I was like, that's bad vibes, man, that today is the fail Mary anniversary. Uh, I, I definitely didn't feel good about that heading into Lambeau. But that was the last time I remember the crowd being this loud and being this hyped up and being this excited for something with Jordan Love. And everybody was all in. Now, would I expected people to boo Jordan Love? No, absolutely not. Would I expect it to be maybe a little more tepid? Potentially. But everybody was just throwing their arms around this guy. They were wrapping the big Midwestern hug of how they're happy to see Jordan Love. And they're happy to see Jordan Love take the reins of being the quarterback. I'll admit to you guys, I did a bad, I would say I did a bad job. We talked about it on Tabby the Keg uh, last week, episode 522. But I, I should have leaned in more about the pressure. Um, and Mitch was all over it. Uh, my co-host, if you guys don't listen to Tabby the Keg, you can go back and listen. It's still, there's some still relevant stuff to talk about in there. And I, and I was like, well, you know, it'll be okay. You know, it's two games in. And originally, I was going to talk, I think that was going to be like our top topic and then I didn't do it. And I should have because it was evident. Like, it was very clear that Jordan Love was nervous out there. And that Jordan Love was struggling, you know, with the Saints defense. And Dennis Allen, who is not a great in-game coach. Dennis Allen's a great defensive coach. And Dennis, Dennis Allen schemed it up. And he made Jordan Love's life difficult. And it was a tough day for Jordan Love. It was a tough one that was going to be, that was going to be hard to defend. And I think... Had the Packers lost this game, I would have still talked about the pop and talked about the energy that was in the stadium. But I also would have said Jordan Love needs to do better just to calm down, just to take it, take a, a step back and just realize that like it's okay. Like everybody has its back. Everybody has bad days. Don't try to force things. This Saints defense was easily the toughest one he faced. The Saints defense is good. I, I even underestimated that a little bit. And I think that happens early in the season. You don't know these teams just yet. Like you, you have an idea or you might think, ah, maybe if you play a schedule game, you're like, okay, Titans offense, who was awful today against the Cleveland Browns and the, and the Carolina Panthers, like that's, it's not much. Uh, and the Saints were good. They were better than those offenses. Uh, and that defense is legit. Alante Turner would have made golden kegs had the Packers got shut out. And we would have had to do the Saints players because Alante Turner, uh, the two second year guy out of Tennessee, second round pick, a very, very good player. Uh, 6-1 corner. I mean, that's a Brian Gutekus wet dream right there. Uh, he was drafted, I think, was it? I looked it up, uh, 15 spots behind uh, Christian Watson. So there was no like, oh, we could have had Alante Turner now. Yeah, I think everyone would rather have Christian Watson, right? And, but back to, you know, the, the game and, and, and Jordan Love and everything else. It's like, once he kind of calmed down a little bit, and once he kind of got into the rhythm, got into the flow, it seemed like things were starting to work out better. And things were starting to get to a point of where it was sort of like, all right, 
this can happen. There, there's a possibility. The door is slightly ajar. I will say that the crowd never really gave up on their support. Uh, you know, we have heard, I think we see a few tweets uh, throughout the the first three weeks of the season about, oh, this home crowd is booing their, booing their team, right? I think the Eagles did that. Jaguars might have. Uh, there were a couple others where they booed their home team. There were a couple boos for the Packers when it was 17-0 heading into the locker room, but it wasn't, it, they weren't loud. It wasn't like a thunderous boo. It was like a couple people that were booing. And it was, if the broadcast made it seem like there were a lot of boos, it wasn't. I can tell you that straight up. And I can tell you that even though Jordan Love was struggling out there, no one was really like, hey, what the fuck is this? I, I at one point, you know, to myself was wondering like, okay, is, is this just what this season is going to be? Is this season just going to be more like a baseball season, right? Where we talk all the time on the podcast about roller coaster and riding the roller coaster and that it's not going to be, you know, what we, it's, the expectation is going to be different every game. Like we're not going to get the same thing every game. And with Rodgers, we were spoiled with that. Even with Favre, Favre was a little more unpredictable just with his interception ability. But still, like we knew we were getting a good performance out of those guys. It's rare that they would lay an egg. And Jordan Love's stats look pretty good, but he did lay an egg for three quarters. But that, but it's not a three-quarter game. It's not hockey. It's not soccer. Uh, soccer does play three quarters, but it's not hockey. That would, would have been a better term. It's, it is in hockey. And you got a fourth quarter. And that was where Jordan Love came to life and finishes with 244, runs runs one in on a fourth and goal, gets a two-point conversion when the Packers are down 17 to nine, hits Romeo Dobbs on a back shoulder that looked like Aaron Rodgers out there. That's all the stuff that Jordan Love did in that fourth quarter. And they talk about how Jordan never got too high, never got too low. Going back to Jaden Reed for a deep ball that set up that Romeo Dobbs, Dobbs touchdown was something you didn't see from Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, Jaden Reed had a rough game. Jaden Reed did not really handle the corners of, of New Orleans that well. But Love trusted to go back to Jaden Reed. He trusted in Jaden Reed. He believed in Jaden Reed. And Jaden Reed paid it off. And I guess he got away with the push-off. I missed that in the uh, when I was watching the game. But, uh, but yeah, it was, I mean... Absolutely incredible. Uh, the back shoulder one, I believe, I, I think I was standing at that time and I yelled back shoulder. I was just a back shoulder. Like I, you, you've seen that so many fucking times as a Packer fan and everyone was out of their mind. It was just a complete unhinged moment. And I've, I've kind of already talked about the comeback, but it, it, it really was a special memory uh, that I, I'll have at Lambeau Field. You know, to say that I was at that game is a is a ton a ton of fun. Uh, you know, I was, I was blessed to be at the Cowboys game last year. That was probably the closest thing to what we saw today. That was the one win of last year where I think you came away from it and you're like, holy shit, this team actually might have something here. And they just came from you know the depths of hell to beat that Cowboys team. I think they were down fourteen nothing in that game too, and they they came back and won. And that was the only time where it really felt like Rodgers leaned into having Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and using the running attack. I think Rodgers only threw the ball 20 times in that game. And that was really the key to success for that Packers team. Yet Rodgers didn't, either didn't want to listen or he, he felt like he could do it his way. 
Jordan Love did it his way, but he also trusted in his guys. He didn't ice anybody out. I think had Rodgers been out there with all those young, young wide receivers, there's no fucking way that Jaden Reed would have got the ball in the last moment, moment of that football game. Would Aaron Rodgers have, have sat and quit? I don't know. I think he would have tried to do hero ball, and I don't think, I don't think Jordan Love did that. Uh, you know, I think Jordan Love, again, played within the system, you know, did what he was supposed to do. Uh, and he just he kept the steady mentality. And I think steady mentality wins in here in Green Bay. I think it wins everywhere. But I think upper Midwest is our forgiving people. There there are people who, you know, will be have a lot of patience and they will, you know, give a lot of chances and they will make sure that, you know, that you're there for them and that you you can be supportive. And everybody has rallied around Jordan Love. And yeah, it was not a great three quarters, but it, it kind of doesn't mean shit because you won the game and that's really all that matters. And you won it, the fact that you didn't have David Bakhtiari, the fact that you didn't have Aaron Jones, the fact that you have Christian Watson, Jay Alexander on the other side, but those guys were not there for the Green Bay Packers. We don't even know what the real Green Bay Packers look like right now. We are seeing a version of them that where guys are getting thrust in the rules and somehow they're two and one. And I will tell you, and this is loser talk, but I'll get ahead of it. If they're two and two in September, if if Jones, Watson, all those guys don't come back, that is a massive win for this team. That is a good month for this team. But it it could be better. And, it, and there are a lot of things to improve. I thought what Aaron Nagler said was pretty poignant, you know, where he was like, well, Against Atlanta, they played three good quarters and one future quarter. Today, they played three future quarters and one good quarter. Now that's out of the way, maybe we could just play a full game. Absolutely. Packers have to get more consistent. But I will tell you, the fan base is there for Jordan Love. Now you get the Milwaukee crowd on Thursday. Milwaukee crowd gets, gets a bad rap at times. But I hope that they are just as supportive of Jordan Love and of this team as we saw in Lambeau on Sunday and it was a hell of an experience to be there and I loved the comeback. I was absolutely out of my mind. If you did, didn't see the review, it's all over the socials, tapping the keg, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. I was yelling. People were watching me yell into, <laughs> into a camera. I should have done it with my back to Lambo uh, in retrospect because I, I was just eating people's reactions. They're like, what is this guy doing? Yelling into his screen, my wife embarrassed. Like she's like, why do you? Why did you choose this life? Why are? Why are you a main character? Why do you need that main character syndrome? Which I've talked about about other people. I'm guilty of it too. Uh, and yeah, uh, it was a great review. I barely had a voice after the game. Uh, I, it's it's still it's still a little sore, right? It's still it's still not entirely there. But I I will take this over anything else, man. And I, I was leaving the stadium. I said to my wife, I said, this is why, this is why I love sports. This is why I love sports. And I, you know, I, there's a, I forget the line by Bob Ryan, but it, it basically is like, it's why we always keep coming back, right? It's why we never, we never leave sports and why like loving sports is something that those who don't love sports can't understand. They can't understand how much joy this makes us all feel. So we have this now for Victory Monday, and now it's on to Detroit. Let's stick with the Packers and Saints and talk golden kegs where we talk about the best and worst things that happened 
for the Packer game, uh, five kegs being the best, one keg being the worst. Uh, and so if you're new to the program, this is what we do after every game as a way to recap. We talk players, we talk things that happened, and everything else in between. Five kegs goes to Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary was an absolute monster in this game. Even though he's still on a pitch count, he was a force. Three sacks. He got to Derek Carr twice. Now Derek Carr goes down with an injury uh, from Rashawn Gary's sack. Uh, he suffered an AC sprain. He had a major hit on Jameis Winston. Rashawn Gary was the fire. He won the game ball from the Green Bay Packers. Um, you know, the fact that he is doing this after tearing his ACL, you know, basically less than a year ago, uh, is incredible. And definitely something to be appreciative of, I think. It looks tougher on David Bakhtiari. I know what everybody says, all ACLs are different. But when you're seeing Rashawn Gary do this, and you're seeing Rashawn Gary have this immediate impact for the Green Bay Packers, it's hard not to look down the aisle and see David Bakhtiari in street clothes and wonder what's going on here. That if Rashawn Gary can do it, why can't you? It, and and by the way, this is two, year, two and a half years now for you, bubs. And Rashawn Gary, it's not even been a year. And he's doing this shit. So... I loved what I saw from Rashawn Gary. He was he was very hard to block all day for the Saints, and they were tactfully moving uh, Jameis down like in the fourth quarter away from Rashawn Gary. Like I think that was definitely a coaching thing where they were like, "Hey, make sure that when you you know kind of move around in the pocket that you're not getting close to Gary because uh, he was an absolute game record today, and the best is yet to come. And I hope that the Rashawn Gary extension is coming sooner rather than later." I think there's a lot of confusion right now in Packer Nation on why Rashawn Gary doesn't have a contract. I, I, the only thing I can come up with is I'm pretty sure he represents himself or hits like his agency or something like that. It's a kind of a weird deal. So maybe it has something to do with that where it's just taking a little more time. I, I, I see nothing that would lead me to believe that you can't give Rashawn Gary a good amount of money. He's not going to get Nick Bosa money. Um, he's going to get paid, but it, it won't be at that level. The Packers have done deals within the season. Um, that's not uncommon for them. I would appreciate if they did. Uh, this is one of those where you'd like to see it done sooner rather than later, but we'll see what happens there. Also, five kegs goes to love at Lambeau Field. And it's not what you think. So you're like, okay, this is going to be about Jordan Love. No, we'll talk about Jordan Love in a second. But what it is is I think that what changed this football game, <laughs> and you guys are gonna laugh at me, I'm a superstitious guy. For those who don't know, I'm very superstitious. Like I'll wear the same shirt for wins, and then when we lose, I'll switch out the shirt. And you're probably like, well, why didn't you switch out your shirt from game two to game three? Well, it was in the wash for game two, which gotta remember that, gotta be better at that. Uh, and I had to wear something else to my in-laws for the game. And that's not going to get worn until I've cycled through everything else. Um, and yeah, uh, but anyways, uh, so I, I am superstitious. Let's set up that. The people in front of me, and I won't give my section, I won't call out any names, but in front of me, they were talking, you know, as the game is, you know, it's, it's not a, the most exciting game. It's 17 nothing. I think we all need some action. And the guy, pretty gregorious dude, and was talking about how, he got two numbers for his single friend. And he was like, okay, yeah, I got like two numbers and like 
we play, you know, the have you met game, which we've, we've done with our buddies who are single at the time. And, you know, it, it's definitely a little played out, but I mean, these guys were in their forties or so like forties, maybe, maybe fifties, probably more forties. And so it's, it's not surprising that they were doing this and they're trying to get him set up. And I guess, so he gets two numbers and one he's really talking to and she's at the game and he spent a bunch of time with her during the game, which I mean, good move for him. I mean, it was a really boring ass game. And it got to the point where they were like, oh yeah, she's going to come sit down and hang out with him. And then I'm going to switch seats and, and the whole thing. And I'm, I'm first in my head, I'm like, well, how hot can this girl be, right? Like, a, how is he overselling it? Like, this guy is decent looking. Like, he's he's a classic, like, Fox Valley 7. No, 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 Fox Valley 6, maybe. Uh, but older, right? And so she comes down and she's like, if we're just being honest here, she's hot, all right? Like, she's tatted up. She is wearing, like, a, you know, she's looking the part she's definitely like out there trying to catch a dick and i like i don't blame it like hey look if that's what you're looking for at lambo good god bless you all right i i'm not myself i'm married happily married i'm not and i'm also not looking to catch dicks of course but like the, the thing is is like she like looked the part and good for him and when she was down there man we came back and she was the difference maker and I got to give her credit. And it was just, it, it was incredible. Uh, and then she left, she left with two minutes left. He came back. I'm like, holy fuck. Like I'm going to have to blame this guy for the loss. Like he came back. Like you do not come back during a comeback. If you have success wherever you are, you don't fucking leave. But man, good for my guy. Probably clapped some cheeks today uh, after the Packer win. So I, you know, happy for him. But yeah, that was, I mean, that was incredible. Uh, also, September home games, they're great. Like, I, I've been a big November guy. Uh, it's just how it's worked out with my schedule, my wife's schedule, the whole thing. And this was our first, my first September game in a long time. I think maybe since that Saints game in 2012. I'd have to have to think about it. No, no, I went to a Bears game, Bears Thursday night game, uh, you know, in the middle middle of the Rodgers era. Uh, but that, like, it's great. Like, you get to wear shorts. You get to, you know, you're not having to be bundled up. It's a little more efficient in terms of getting into the stadium. Uh, the weather was perfect, like 69. It was a little hot when once you're within with everybody, but just perfect. Noon starts are also great. I know the Packers have so many more noon starts than used to. Uh, the fact that I'm doing a podcast right now, even though it's late, the fact that I could is is an, another level. Uh, you don't get that opportunity really with the 325 or the 720, and so many of the Packer games are in those prime time slots. The noon noon games are nice, um, and they're you're able to get home. Like if we, we stayed, we had, you know, hung out with some friends after the game, but if you don't do that, you know, you're probably home by five or six o'clock. Like you make some good time as long as it's not a Milwaukee game. So yeah, five kegs and noon, noon starts as well. Four kegs goes to Jordan Love. Uh, you know, here's the thing with that. I was going to put Jordan Love as a three keg or a two keg, but I can't like undersell the fact that he came back from three scores down in his first game at Lambeau Field. Like that is stuff of legends. That's like how the next legend starts, right? Like that, that's, that's like all part of it where, okay, 
where were you when Jordan Love led the comeback? Uh, one of the guys Murph was going with, uh, you know, we, we had Bass Party, good guy, Jake, uh, shout out to him, told me how he, what, he saw Aaron Rodgers last start at Lambeau. He saw Brett Favre's last start at Lambeau. And then he's like, I'm seeing Jordan Love's first start of a 15-year career, hopefully. And when you have something like that, come back, you think that it's, he's going to be here for a long time. And it was a great fourth quarter. And that part has to be brought up in the Golden Kegs. It might be a little bit generous, but it's a huge comeback. Most quarterbacks wilt in that. Even the, young, even the guys who are the young greats, your Trevor Lawrence's, your Herbert's, uh, you know, those guys, you know, can, can wilt there and Jordan Love didn't. And that's great. And that's a huge thing for Jordan Love going forward and a huge confidence boost. Now, was it a great day for Jordan Love? No, he was wildly inaccurate. His deep balls were underthrown a couple different times. Um, he needs to get a little more zip on the ball. I, I think though, this is all going to be an adjustment period. He's still learning his guys. These are still guys that he's pretty new with understanding their speed, understanding everything else, right? Like Musgrave, this is his third game playing with him. Jaden Reed, third game playing with him. The connection with Dobbs is a little stronger because they played preseason together. I think Christian Watson with deep balls, you're going to see a little bit of a different there. I'm not ready to be concerned about Jordan Love's deep ball. It's it's simmering there, like it's on the pot, but I'm not ready to, to worry about it. So Jordan Love still gets a four keg, even though there were struggles because the fourth quarter comeback is, you know, stuff of legend. So maybe it should be Jordan Love's fourth quarter comeback as the four kegs um, instead of it being just the, the whole game. Because a, a whole game of Jordan Love, you do first three quarters, Jordan Love, were probably, that's a two keg or a one keg outing. Uh, it was bad. Uh, but again, it's four quarters. It's not hockey. Also four kegs. Uh, the boomers that were mad about the Packers going for two uh, when it was 17 to nine. That was so fucking funny <laughs> in the stands. Now granted, I was like, oh, I'm not entirely sure. I tried to explain it to some guys uh, up ahead of me and they were very confused. They looked at me like I had two heads uh, and I was like, well, I, I did a poor job. And Seth Walder wrote a ESPN analytics piece about why you go for two down two, and it usually doesn't work. The Packers are the first team since I think 2021 where this has worked. And they explained that the odds are in the Packers' favor to go for two in this scenario. And usually why it doesn't work is not necessarily because, you know, they don't get the two-point conversion. It's because it's hard to come back in, the, in these scenarios. And since it was late in the game, the Packers were trying to leverage themselves for it, and it worked. I mean, they were able to win the game because of it. They didn't go to overtime. Could have went to overtime. And Connor Lewis, who's LaFleur's sort of game management guy, his assistant quarterbacks coach, was in LaFleur's ear nonstop per LaFleur about going for two there. And it, and look, he, he got it. You know, that's a, that's a win for the nerds. I think, I don't know, I think it was Josh Norris, who's like a fantasy guy, was like saying how this is where, this is really the true like analytical meaning where, you got to do it all the time. Like if you're going to do it and you're going to have this be your mindset, like this has to be the mindset all the time. And you see with how 
Green Bay managed points versus what the Raiders did. And that's, like I said, I was half awake. But, you know, Josh McDaniels getting killed on Twitter after the game for taking that field goal with under with a little over two minutes left where they needed eight points. And they tried to, they basically tried to get the ball back. And they, when they did get it back, it was like 12 seconds left, you know, in the game instead of trying to just go for the touchdown there and win the game. And, and they didn't do it, especially with a way where Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of turn, they had a lot of turnovers in that game, but Garoppolo was at least playing all right. And so that it was, it was mind-numbing. And so you go from what, McDan- what McDaniels did at the end of the game to then what LaFleur did, and LaFleur wins him the game with that. I mean, that that's simply there. But, yeah, the Boomers were so upset. <laughs> I can't tell you. It was like, go for two, go. And I was like, it was like, he was like, what are you doing? Take the points, take the points, take the points. Oh, fuck. Like, it's just so many people were upset. It was so funny. Uh, Romeo Dobbs also gets a 4K for me. Uh, Dobbs played great. Uh, I thought that he had a really nice second half, was part of that comeback, you know, finished with 73 yards on five catches, had a long of 30, 12 targets overall. Jordan Love was looking for him a lot. The back shoulder catch uh, to seal the game for Green Bay was just phenomenal uh, from Dobbs and made a great, great grab on the football. Um, and it, that was not an easy secondary that he was going up against. Uh, the Saints are our top tier. Um, and I was really impressed with that, that secondary all game long. And they, they did a lot. And then Isaac Yadam got picked on. I think it's Yadam or Yodam. Former Packer got just absolutely abused um, down the stretch. And that's, that's how Green Bay won this game. And they, again, Jordan Love taking advantage of, of the weak link and keeping it away from Turner and Lattimore as much as you could and going after that nickel corner and who's in there because Paulson Adubo could not go. Um, and yeah, it was, I mean, Dobbs, I thought, played really well. Um, he did have a couple drops. That's okay. Um, it's going to happen. You know, I think, I, you know, Jane Reed had more, which we're going to talk about Jane Reed. But yeah, it's Dobbs played all right. And I, I think that he really, he, he's Jordan Love's guy. And there is a real connection there. And it's obviously coincidental that it's 87, right? Um, and that he, the 87 is the number of the go-to guy for the quarterback. And, you know, he might not be the best player. That might be Christian Watson, which I think it will be. But the go-to guy when you need 10 yards is Romeo Dobbs. And that's that's a big role to have. And he, those guys can have breakout games too. And that Dobbs had a good one tonight. And it, you just hope he kind of keeps it up and keeps, you know, playing with the same sort of level and, and will be, I think, a lot better once he's, you know, kind of the number two on this team. Three kegs, Corey Ballantyne. So Corey Ballantyne, here's, here's the thing. I, I have it at three kegs, even though Chris Olave got a couple catches on him. First of all, Chris Olave is one of the best receivers in football, okay? Second of all, Corey Ballantyne was a practice score guy who got elevated up to play in this game. Carrington Ballantyne goes out with an injury, um, and so he can't play, and Ballantyne had to be the next guy up. And he did okay. He did all right. Like, it wasn't perfect, but also wasn't a bad outing for Ballantyne. Like, I would not be surprised if a team looks at that and says, we're going to sign him off your practice squad if they don't add him to the 53. Because he was competent. He did all right. If he was the fourth corner for the Packers, it would be a lot better. But, yeah, really good stuff, I thought, from Ballantyne. And I think he at least deserves a little bit of credit for at least keeping everything in front of him, right? You know, there was a one pass 
late, but that, but that was an incredible catch. Like, Olave made a couple, like, just incredible catches. He's so good. As I was very impressed with Chris Olave uh, in person. So I, I'm not surprised that he, you know, it's like you're going to get beat sometimes with those really good receivers. And they were just good throws, solid coverage, just make a good catch. And that's where I still like what Corey Ballantyne did. I also have a three-cag Joe Barry's defense. So obviously we were really critical on Joe Barry last week. And this week I I can't be as mad at Joe Barry. I still fought the drive early on where Derek Carr took it down the field and Jimmy fucking Graham had a touchdown. It was terrible. You know, they did not send any pressure. You know, they were just basically sussing out what New Orleans was doing, which like I can get, but like at least pressure Derek Carr, see what Derek Carr can handle. You have one of the best front sevens in, in the NFL. Like, get after it. But Barry's guys kept their water. They did not let the run game get going, even though, again, no Alvin Kamara, no Jamal Williams, and maybe this looks different with that. But they were able to keep, you know, everything at bay in the fourth quarter as Dennis Allen dipped into his Ted Cruz playbook, and they were able to keep everything together. So I have to give Joel Barry credit for that. Um, it wasn't the prettiest, but it got it done. And hopefully it's something they can build on. Um, I'm not ready to say, okay, yeah, I'm all in on this defense. I think it's a huge test with the Lions next week with Ben Johnson. We'll talk about that. But yeah, that, that's a team that has ate their lunch offensively and hopefully it won't happen again. Two kegs drops plus the lack of experience for the receivers. I felt like the Saints were just doing whatever they could in terms of bullying the Packer receivers. And, and they were playing so physical on the outside. The refs were not calling it for whatever reason. And I think the receivers didn't do a good enough job selling that they were getting mauled. I think they finally did with the Turner pass interference call. Um, but like that just showed like the lack of experience. And then the drops were concerning. Uh, but I, I don't think that it's something to worry about. Again, young team. I think everybody was playing a little tight in this game. And that was part of it. Another two gag goes to Patrick Taylor. Uh, the only reason I had Patrick Taylor as a two-keg was the fourth down play that he screwed up. I did think that Patrick Taylor showed a little spark. I thought what he did out there in, in, in a limited capacity almost looked better than A.J. Dillon. I, I should say it almost. It did look better than A.J. Dillon. And I think if Aaron Jones can't go on Thursday, Patrick Taylor deserves a chance. And Patrick Taylor deserves to be the guy. Um, and maybe once he plays you know, 10 snap or he carries the ball 10 to 12 times, it's not going to look the same. But... Yeah, I, I liked what he did out of the passing game as sort of the relief, the safety valve for Jordan Love. It's too bad they screwed up that fourth and two play because I, I do think if they had got that right, that might have been a touchdown or it's at least a first down and the Packers are driving and maybe they don't need the dramatics. Maybe we don't have the the push field goal at the very end. Uh, but yeah, sol solid enough stuff for Taylor. Uh, the one keg in active list, we talked about it, but man, uh, Packers are truly injured right now. Uh, and... I do wonder, and I know LaFleur said, no, this wasn't the case, but I, I do wonder, did they hold some guys for the Lions game? The Lions game is more important. And with it being a four day, you know, they might be holding them till, till Detroit. And that one, that one's really important. Um, I, I think if we don't have Watson, Bakhtiari, Jones, Jair in that Detroit game, we're gonna have to start asking some questions about this Packers team and, the, and a little bit of their toughness because and also what's, you know, how can these guys, you know, are, are we just sort of load managing here until we get to the main tart part of the season? I understand the bye weeks in a couple of weeks, but at some point you got to get healthy. And I hope that 
that's the case. And also, too, it's like if you really have four weeks that you missed, well, you could have put this guy in IR and you could have got a roster spot out of it. And that's another bad coaching management, you know, front office stuff as well. And the penalties were terrible. Um, some of them I felt were bullshit, but man, uh, Packers were, were really sloppy early on. And that was a huge part of this game early where the Packers were just a lot of self-inflicted wounds. A.J. Dillon was terrible again. Um, it's just been a constant theme. Uh, and then the punt return was pathetic. Uh, Rashid Shahid takes it back. They didn't miss a hold, but it was a terrible pump by Daniel Whalen. And I, I, at one point during the comeback, I was like, God damn, it could be 10 to 3 right now. Or 10 to 6. I think the Packers would have took the points and not went for it on a fourth and two. And I was like, wow, we could have been really in position here. And that punt return was a huge sort of difference maker. And had the Packers lost this game 17 to 11, we're pointing to that punt return as the difference. And that hopefully it's just, you know, a one-time thing and it's not going to be a constant theme, but Shahid's a, Shahid's a game breaker, man. And he showed it um, on Sunday. All right. That does it for the Packers. We'll do lessons learned tomorrow uh, on tomorrow's show and, and much more, but overall, man, a great win for the Green Bay Packers. I feel like I sound like Gruden. I think I said man like all times. It's late. Let's talk about the Wisconsin Badgers, then the Milwaukee Brewers, and we'll ride out of here. So the Wisconsin Badgers took care of business against a bad team. Uh, they, it was really impressive to watch the Badgers on Friday night. Uh, it was kind of funny with the Badgers and Brewers both going at the same time and both of them respectfully kiss, kicking ass. It was like, oh man, like you had this Brewer-Badger Friday night thing and both games were kind of put away early. Uh, the Badgers jumped out to a 21 to three lead. They really, you know, didn't look back from the start. Uh, Tanner Mordecai took a page out of Garrett Schrader's book from Syracuse, aka Phil Longo also did, as Purdue has shown no ability to stop a quarterback run. Uh, Mordecai had four, 14 carries for 44 yards as well as two touchdowns. And Braylon Allen had 16 carries for 116, and, and they had a punishing, punishing 16-play uh, drive that went, I think, over eight minutes that put it up to 21-3. to And at that point, it didn't seem like Purdue had much. You know, they throw this crazy interception late late in the, the sec first half that R Ricardo Holloman picked off at the end zone. And it's like, man, if they would have just maybe got down to field goal range, and so it's 21 to six, like then you're still sort of in range. You're still hanging around a little bit, but man, the the Badgers just came out with a fury and that's what she wanted to see all year. Uh, the slow starts have been a theme. You almost worried if it was a trend for Wisconsin that they were never going to break out of their slow start funk, but they did in this game against a team that's not very good and didn't let them hang around. They didn't play with their food. And that's something that leaves you with a lot of confidence in the team. And that makes you feel a little bit differently. Yes, can you not be too hyped up about beating Purdue? I, I would say yes. But couldn't you be hyped up that when you face a bad team and you smell blood in the water, that you're not gonna fuck around and find out? Yeah, that, that you should be happy with because that's what the Badgers did in this game. I think with Georgia Southern and, and Georgia Southern, man, they came, they went into Ball State and I think they won like 33 to nothing or something like that. And that, I mean, back-to-back -back road games and they go in and they just pulverize a, a Mac team, which some about Mac is kind of at the same level. And that, I mean, that's really impressive. So you think about that and you're like, well, 
maybe that Badger wins better, or maybe you know Georgia Southern at the end of the Sun Belt season ends up winning the Sun Belt or close to winning the Sun Belt, and we think about Georgia Southern a little bit differently than we do right now. And I think the Badgers getting getting off quick though is a, is a huge sign of progress and a, and a way to kind of push this team forward. Uh, it just it looked like a different Wisconsin team. And that might just be the growth of this team and, and shows you why you needed patience. And you couldn't just immediately think that the Badgers are going to be on firing on all cylinders. And they didn't, they didn't necessarily have this cupcake schedule to work off of. And I do wonder if, you know, you did play a, a ball state or you played, I'm trying to think of other bad teams, UMass is not very good, New Ma- one of the New Mexicos. If you had that sort of schedule to start your year, would would the Badgers look a lot better at this point? Maybe, but maybe they haven't dealt with the adversity, and maybe you know a road game to Purdue would have been a lot harder because they they were also ready to play that road game, right? Like they didn't get off the bus against Washington State, and Washington State smacked them in the mouth and was up twenty four six. Another team though, who they beat the shit out of Oregon State, who I really liked, and I was mad about that one too because I, I think I liked Washington State, and then I kind of flip-flopped, I read some things, and I was like, you know what, that, that was a bad, bad decision by me. But Washington State looked awesome. And so it's like, okay, did, you know, again, did we did we undervalue what Washington State was as a football team? And so I, I really wonder, you know, is, is that part of it? And that maybe this non-conference was a lot harder than previously thought. And, you know, Wisconsin, you know, gets you know, the job done against finally a team who's actually bad. Buffalo was bad too. And Buffalo, I don't think has won a game yet. And they've been getting just shit housed by everybody. But again, week one, brand new offense, brand new everything. It, it takes time. And especially with all the transfers and all the new guys just getting comfortable with each other, you expect that the, the rocket ship would take off. It's kind of a bummer there on by this week um, because I, I feel like this would have been a great week for them to sort of, you know, continue the momentum. And then, you know, they get a little extra time, obviously, with being on a Friday. But you could also argue that it's good they're not playing because they don't have, have a backup running back. Chesma Lucy, done for the season with a fractured fibula, a a really big issue uh, for, for the Badgers going forward. Ches was a huge part of what Wisconsin was doing offensively. It was the great one-two punch of him and Allen. And now you don't necessarily have that lightning out of the backfield. Uh, you'll have Jackson Acker, uh, who is a local guy. Uh, it's not necessarily the best running back room. You know, there were years where you lost a running back and it was sort of next man up, right? You, we all remember the Monte Ball, James White, Melvin Gordon running back room. That's not what the Badgers have this year. So I'll be very curious to see, you know, what they do. You know, are they going to rely on Braylon Allen more? Well, they asked Tanner Mordecai to use his feet, you know, as he did in this game. I'm a little hesitant on that only because Tanner Mordecai loves taking hits. And that's cool, right? You kind of like, like that out of your quarterback. But there were a few scenarios where he needed to slide and he needed to get down and he, he didn't. And so I, I do wonder, you know, is, is that going to be now sort of a Mordecai, Allen, Allen Mordecai, you know, rushing attack and you don't use Acre as much because it's clear that they're trying not to overload Braylon Allen. Like they're they're trying to, you know, reduce his workload quite a bit compared to what it is it's been, you know, previously. But or is it kind of like 
a better version of AJ Dillon where they're they're kind of leaving him in the the garage a bit and they're just taking him out for spins early on and then at some point they're going to unleash the Braylon Allen and they're going to say all right now now it's go time you know Allen's carried the ball 52 times for 371 and 7.1 carries overall that's with including a game where it was only 7 7 for 20 if we look at the first three games uh, or first four games of the season last year for Braylon Allen, he carried the ball. Let's see here, 35, 50. He carried the ball 73 times. Uh, the yardage, I'm not going to be able to do the math. It's it's going to be more, but he carried the ball 73 times in the first four weeks of the season, which I mean, that's. And Craig carried the ball 208 times last year. And then in 2021, as a true freshman, he carried the ball 157. So I really, I really wonder, you know, are they doing this in a way to sort of sort of ease Braylon Allen into the season? And now is it go time because Malusi's out? Is it go time just because that was the plan in the first place? Uh, but yeah, they're gonna have to sort of you know, recover from that. And Malusi seems to be a team leader uh, just from the quotes you read. And so that's a, a true bummer uh, with his last year, you know, as a college pro. I don't know if he can, you know, provide for a waiver and wants to play another year. Probably not. But yeah, it's been really shitty luck. Oh yeah, it was fifth season. Um, and yeah, I had an ACL and wrist injury. So that that is not good. Uh, that is definitely not good for... For Wisconsin, and definitely, you know, something where they will see them lacked. The Badgers had a ton of penalties, though. If we do want to get negative, the penalties were just as bad. I think if you're a diehard Badger Packer fan, you were probably ready to punch a wall. Uh, they had a, they had eleven penalties for seventy yards, a bunch of false starts. They did they did look uh, sloppy there, and it, it was so it was a bit major issue, uh, and that's definitely something. They'll have to fix, especially in tougher road environments. I mean, thankfully for Wisconsin now, you have two straight weeks at home against Rutgers and Iowa before going to Illinois. And, and I don't think Illinois is very good. But and so maybe that crowd won't be rowdy. I think the first real rowdy crowd might be Nebraska, right? Um, they, they don't necessarily have a ton of like tough road environments. No, they have Nebraska at home. Yeah, they don't have any tough road. Maybe Minnesota at the end of the year, but who knows what Minnesota? I mean, Minnesota, thirty-one to thirty-one to seven against Northwestern, and they fucking lose. That's that's terrible. That is so bad for Minnesota. But yeah, they don't have a ton of tough road environments. I guess Illinois would be the only one that kind of is, but I, I would not consider that. You're kind of ones that would be like an Iowa, Ohio State, uh, even Nebraska. You're all at home. So that's that's good for the Badgers, and maybe that helps with the false start stuff. And you, you know, assuming you don't have a ton of night games left on left on the slate, you won't have to worry about that. But yeah, it was it was a rough rough defensively. Uh, Purdue, who has not been able to run the football, uh, was able to run the football against the Badgers. Uh, they had 195 yards on the ground, uh, and it was averaging about a 6.3 clip. Now they didn't have uh, Ma Na in this game, he did not play. It is seeming like something weird happened there. Uh, they, he was not on the injury report. He was dressed, but he didn't play. So we don't necessarily know what's going on. And this this is where sometimes college sports is tough. 
because this will not necessarily get reported on as well as they should. Was it a internal suspension? What Are there some issues going on? Or is there a fractured in the program? Is he leaving for the transfer portal? Is something else going on? But they needed him uh, and his, his impact was felt. And so whatever happened, there, there, there must have been something there or, you know, he was in warmups, he couldn't go, um, but there's been no sort of note on why that was, that happened. So Najmeta needs to play though. I mean, that's, that's a guy that they desperately need. They do not have a lot of dudes on that defense and Najmeta is a dude and that, that would be a huge loss if there's like more, more of that story. Right. Um, so hopefully there isn't. Um, hopefully it's just, you know, a blip on the radar. Or it's a suspension. And, you know, then they're kind of going forward with it. Uh, so we'll, we'll have to monitor that. Definitely one to keep an eye on here during the bye week. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I would say, I, I don't think it's a great time for the Badgers to get a bye. I think with the Big Ten schedule, it's going to beat you up. I think you kind of want it in November or late October to kind of reset yourself after a few Big Ten games. But, I think they'll take it. They'll get more time to work. And, you know, now you have Rutgers. And you got to be ready to stop the run against Rutgers. Rutgers, that's all they do. They can't pass. Um, and that could be an issue for Wisconsin. You know, if they gave that up to Purdue, I, I shudder to think what you could do against Rutgers. And Rutgers defensively is a lot different uh, than what you saw out of the Boilermakers. That one also on Peacock, which is annoying uh, for uh, all the fans, uh, by the way. So I get ahead of that. So maybe you may need to get your uh, Peacock subscription in order. All right, let's move on. Let's wrap up with the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers lost two out of three to the Miami Marlins. Uh, they had Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta again, and yet again they lost the series. Uh, that happened in Pittsburgh uh, earlier this month. Craig Council said to the media after losing 6-1 to one on Sunday that they shouldn't be disappointed, that there's no reason to be disappointed. The Brewers were able to clinch a playoff spot. They were 11-6 and six in the 17-game stretch where they did not have a day off in September. And you know what? Craig Council's right. I have to agree with Craig Council. I think he is absolutely spot on, that there is no reason to be disappointed. Uh, I, I, that does not bother me. Um, I don't think that's loser mentality. I think that it's, you know, looking at the bigger picture here where it's like, okay, a couple things. Number one, you're able to clinch a playoff spot. You got that out, out of the way. So at least a job is done. You're one win away from winning the NL Central. It, unless of a monumental collapse. St. Louis Cardinals are looking at Cancun. No one for the Cardinals is really playing, right? Uh, the Brewers just have to win one against the Cardinals this weekend. And then they're in. And then they've got the Central. And then they'll wait whether it's the Cubs, the, the Diamondbacks, the even maybe the Reds or the Marlins. Uh, for that first game, that first wild card series in Miller Park the week after, I don't think that it's worth crying over that the Brewers ran out of gas here on this weekend. You know, they on that Saturday game it was four nothing. They were down. They could easily, you know, kind of, you know, wave the white flag, and they didn't. I mean, it was a four four baseball game, and if Joel Piamas, you know, was better, and he's been really struggling. Uh, he has not had a clean inning since August eighth. Uh, it's been really rough for Pionis where I, I don't think he can be your eighth inning guy in the playoffs. I, I really think it has to be Uribe or even Holby Milner. I mean, Holby Milner has been really good. I don't know if you trust him in that high leverage spot, 
But I, it can't be it can't be Pianis. He just isn't there. And Mitch tells me I, I mispronounced his name. So that's uh, that was a, a lesson I learned this weekend as well. But I I just think that they they need to consider something differently there. But also they scrapped back and tried to win that game. And then today they just ran out of gas. And it was like, all right, we just want to get home. We just want a fucking day off. It's September. It's late in the season. We got playoffs to think about. Like we just want a day off. And Freddie Peralta had his first bad start in pretty much the entire second half. It has the worst Freddie's look since that Braves game, Braves start, which was what, like late July. Like at some point you're due for a bad start. I'd rather him get the bad start out before the playoffs than during the playoffs. And that's fine. And also too, like the Marlins are hungry. Marlins got their asses kicked on, on Friday. They came out, you know, firing both Saturday and Sunday. And sometimes I think when you get you get beat in that first game, you know, as long as you're fighting for something, you're gonna want to respond. And the Marlins definitely made their own statement this weekend, um, and, and they they kept themselves alive because they easily could have, you know, lost these two games, and they probably would be out of the playoffs. Like the Reds had a really rough weekend. The Reds aren't the Reds to me don't have enough to get to the playoffs. We'll have to see. But the Marlins are right there. They're one game back of the Cubs. They are very much lurking. And, you know, maybe there is some gamesmanship with the Brewers where they, they'd rather play the Marlins than the Cubs, but I, I don't think that's the case. Uh, just given, you know, the way that they played, you know, the last two nights and the, the starting lineups and everything else. But yeah, just got to get one. Um, I agree. This was a great stretch for the Milwaukee Brewers. I don't have any fear or worry that a regression is coming, that all of a sudden it's like, okay, the Brewers peaked. And we're a, month, we're a week out from the season. I just think that there is this collective, like, okay, we, we clinched the playoff spot. Like, now we can take a deep breath. Like you saw it with Atlanta, too. Like, once Atlanta had clinched the NL East, like, they, I think they were 5-5 five and five in their next 10. Like, they struggled. Uh, I think you've seen a little bit with the Dodgers. You've seen it. You've seen it a bit in the AL, too, with... Not necessarily the Orioles, but the Twins, right? Uh, the Twins lost a couple games this weekend to the Angels where they they have room to breathe and they just sort of take the foot off the gas just a little bit. And then when other teams are, you know, full speed ahead like the Marlins, that's where it's going to conflict. Now, thankfully, you are facing, as I said, a Cardinals team that's like ready for the season to be over. So hopefully that's the case and hopefully you're able to get one. I don't know when I, I start getting nervous about it. Maybe Thursday, if the Brewers don't have it by Thursday and you lose a series to this card this Cardinals team, that's when that's when things start getting a little a little troublesome. Uh, but yeah, the the you know they the Cardinals lost two out of three to the Padres. Padres beat them twelve to two. Uh, to yesterday, Drew Rom really struggled. But yeah, that lineup right now, it was Newt Bar and then someone else came in, Edmund, someone else came in, Goldschmidt. Someone else came in, Palacios. Like, their lineup is not good right now. Uh, so I don't expect much. And hopefully the Brewers can get the clinch on Tuesday after a much, much needed day off because it's it's crucial for them. And they, they certainly need it. And just the last bit of perspective, Astros are fighting for a playoff spot and they lost – they got swept by the Rockies, or not the Rockies, sorry, the Royals at home. Like that's 
That's really, really bad. It's Wade Miley versus Zach Thompson, who Zach Thompson, they were able to you know hammer uh, the last time around, uh, last week. So hopefully it will be the same and everything will, uh, will be good to go and we'll be able to, to celebrate uh, a Brewers divisional uh, title. Uh, just got to win one. All right, that does it for the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, like I said, I think I, I like moved on, but it's going to be a weird week with it being a Thursday night game. I have to talk to Mitch. Uh, I might do a tap in the keg tomorrow, um, and then we'll have that for your Tuesday. I don't think I'm going to take a day off. I, you know, I've been doing four days a week, but obviously with the Thursday, I got to see. Um, I'll put out a schedule, though, on Twitter and post it to Instagram, too, so you guys have it. Um, and then next week will be weird, too, because you have the Brewers playoffs. So you have that to deal with. But... I think we're going to, you know, do the thing, you know, if we're doing five days um, next week where that one show will just be the Brewers playoffs where we'll do like 20 or 30 minutes on it and that's it. And maybe we'll go through some of the other headlines that are happening, but that'll be the show. And it won't be this like long, you know, right. We're at about 58 minutes here at this point. So that's probably where, where we're going. Uh, but I, again, I don't know if even you guys give a shit about any of this. You're probably already moving on to Simmons or Rosillo or part of my take at this point. But uh, that's where we're looking. Uh, we'll probably see you tomorrow in some capacity. Uh, and, yeah, take care. Have a good one. And, yeah, we'll see you then. All right. See you. Peace.